You are listening to Keep Canada Weird, a weekly weird news roundup by the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the weekly Keep Canada Weird discussion series. If you're new here in Keep Canada Weird, my pal Handsome Aaron Airport and I seek out and explore some of the more offbeat news stories from the past week. In tonight's episode, which we recorded on the evening of November 28th, 2022, Aaron and I give Canada a fresh coat of absurd paint. Our discussion features two bad birds, two police F-ups, and the first Christmas-related story of the year. So let's get into it. Oh, handsome Aaron Airport. It has been weird in Canada lately. Have you noticed? No. No? Have you heard what happened to our queen? Actually, no, I haven't heard what what happened to the Queen. Uh, I've I'll just want to cover it right off the top. How does how does this affect our jobs? It doesn't affect our jobs. Uh, we're we still have this mandate to keep Canada weird. Uh, queen Ramona Digilo, the self-proclaimed Queen of Canada, uh, she was in some hot water because she had an RV, like a you know a motorhome that she was traveling around and that was rented, and the family that it was rented from was like kind of on Twitter and all these other places speaking out like we want our RV back the checks have bounced you know bring us our RV back uh, and it was kind of getting nasty um, it turns out they got the RV back just last week and it was in the news because when the RV came back it was damaged uh, in a bunch of minor ways but the kind of the keep Canada weird thing about it was uh, it was full of empty sardine cans and when I say full, like lousy <laughs> with sardine clan, cans, uh, okay. apparently they're going to have to get the thing steam cleaned. Yeah, yeah. Well, an RV can turn into a sardine can itself, depending on how many queen followers you jam in there. Yeah, well, uh, we don't need to dwell on it. I don't want to upset anyone. Let's move on with it. We have a goal here tonight. It's mm-hmm. to keep Canada weird by way of highlighting and in some cases celebrating, in other cases shaking our fists at the stories that played out in our great nation over the past week. Before we mm-hmm. introduce the stories and start breaking them down, though, I want to ask you something. How are you doing? What's new? Oh, I'm doing good. You know, I want to actually address a story we discussed off the top here. Last week, uh, we covered a story about um, dead raccoons or cadavers, as we mm-hmm. like to call them. Mm-hmm. Um Littered throughout the streets of of uh, Toronto, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I took it upon myself to uh, to do some real boots on the ground research on okay. this topic and on this story. So I was in Toronto. I went to Toronto this past week on assignment. On assignment to go and see if I could find any raccoon cadavers whatsoever okay so you were thinking this could be fake news yeah i just there's something about it that just didn't sit well with me Mm -hmm. so i went there and i didn't see a single one no way so we've been had not a single dead raccoon i had my my raccoon my dead raccoon counter out you know Mm mm-hmm uh it's an app on my phone and beeps as you get closer every time it senses yeah the the app senses it and it beeps and counts it and there wasn't a single one i don't have one to report 
That is nuts. Should we pull last week's episode then? Because we're, I guess we are peddling fake news. As... I think our entire show needs to be pulled now and, yeah. and, and, and rebuilt from the ground up. Wow. Okay. That is nuts. Um, shocking to hear that. I thought for sure you would have, you were about to tell me that there was mountains of them all over the place, just as that article last week made it sound. No, I did not see a single dead raccoon or our live raccoon. Here's here's something else. We, we you talk about uh, the dead raccoons from last week, and you brought that up. There's something I want to bring up. Uh, I got a voicemail. Let's play this, and uh, we'll get it. Actually, let's t- tackle the voicemails from the front uh, yeah, before we get uh, into the stories. Yeah. But I got one in particular that I'm so excited to share with you. Okay, uh, we I can't wait. We talked last week about the brownies losing their name, or mm-hmm. n- not losing their name, but dropping that name in favor of inclusivity uh, and making everyone comfortable. And we both agreed with with that decision. If it makes people happy, go for it. Uh, a listener, Stacy, has the following message where I think she raises some interesting points about Brownie's counterpart, the Beavers. Mm-hmm. And it's subtle. So let's see if you can pick this up. Oh, I'll pick it up. Jordan, longtime listener. Love all the stuff you guys do. Love the coverage of the massacres in Nova Scotia. Um, But as to do with the um, Keep Canada Weird, uh, my son was in the Boy Scouts. When he first started out, when he was really little, he was in the group called Beavers, which is the group before Cubs. And in Beavers, he got his first tail. They get a tail pinned to their hat, and that means they can move up to the next level. So I just thought that was kind of funny that in Beavers, they get a tail. They might want to look at changing that name to Beaver. All right. Anyways, all the best, all of you. Keep up the great work. Bye. So there's a couple double entendres there. So I, I get the joke about, you know, Beavers. Maybe they may want to change that name. And I, I get that. But I think what she was saying, and and if so, this was very dry, her 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 way of uh, putting this out was... um. When you're in the beavers, when you're kind of come of age and you get into the next group, you get a tail, mm-hmm. which is also there's like a double entendre there. Sure, sure there is. Yeah. Am I? Am I? Do I have a sick mind and I'm reading into it too much, or did she make two sexual jokes based on the beavers and their practices? I don't think we can legally even discuss this any further. You're right. Let's drop it. I think I think we should just drop it. Stacy, you're sick. Um, yeah, yeah, and you know, let's let's clean the let's uh, have a palate cleanser. Yeah, please. Yeah, let's 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 drink some club soda. Hey, Jordan and Aaron, it's Donna. I just wanted to weigh in on the Tim Horton show idea, guys. Here's the thing: keep Canada weird works because of your interpersonal dynamics. Um, Jordan is always in awe and full of wonder at the world, while Aaron kind of keeps things real and more grounded. So when you unite in your dislike of Tim Hortons, that balance is thrown off. So as a result, you kind of wind each other up, and well, I'm concerned for your blood pressure, really. I don't think we need a separate Timmy show. And I say this out of love and concern for your well-being. Just on keeping Canada weird for now. Bye. Mm-hmm. What do you What do you think of her assessment? I'm like lost in wonder, and you're grounded. Uh, I I always thought it was no. You know what? I don't know. Maybe 
Sure. Yeah, I'll I don't know. It. That is not my perception <clears throat> of our friendship over the years. No, I've always uh, found it to be the opposite. But and, and I am your rock. You're my rock, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a theory about, who is this, Donna? That Yes, that's right. That oh, okay, Donna. yeah. So, Donna, I know what you're doing here. I know who you work for. Oh, my God. I know go. what's going on. So, Donna, you can tell the upper brass at Tim Hortons Co., where you clearly work, that we're not buying it, and we're not going to have the wool pulled over our eyes, mm-hmm. and we will not be deterred from taking down what is officially an evil corporation, Tim Hortons. So Donna, who poses as a listener, but is in fact a Tim Hortons infiltrator, was sent here to keep us off the prize. This next caller, Jennifer, I think she is here to embarrass us and make us look bad. Listen to this. We're getting set up here, and I know it right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Hi, Aaron and Jordan. I'm calling from Fredericton, just outside Majorville, New Brunswick. And I listened with much interest at the backlash you guys received when you mispronounced Majorville. I think New Brunswickers have a bad habit of pronouncing place names much different than how they're spelled. And it's always annoyed me. I have another one for you. How would you spell R-U-S-A-G- O-N-I-S. I dare you to try and get this one right. It's almost unbelievable how far out in left field it is. Good luck. I want to listen to that spelling one more time. Yeah, because I'm, I'm trying to visualize the word in my mind. So Here, Yeah, Here, let's try it again. How would you spell R-U-S-A-G-O-N-I-S? Russagonis? Russagonis? I've never heard of this place. I've never I, heard of it, but I'm I'm th- I'm throwing out uh Russagonis. I'm going with Russagonis. Gonis is in yeah, gone with the wind. Uh if it's not a real place and she's just saying letters, that's humiliating for us. If it is a real place, she's saying it because she knows we're going to mispronounce it and receive a second wave of backlash mm-hmm. from the Brunswickers. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that will also lead us to determine that she also works for Tim Hortons. Mm-hmm. And she, maybe she's worried about she's a stockholder. Or she, maybe she's a franchisee for like a new Brunswick yeah, chain. She's trying to take away our credibility because she knows that we're gaining traction mm-hmm. with our anti-Tim Hortons campaign. Rhetoric. And now that mm-hmm. we're, we're just now bouncing back from the Majorville, Meagerville mispronunciation situation where we lost I think every single listener in New Brunswick, we're rebuilding that community from the ground up. After yeah, that. yeah, totally. Uh, we're almost there. Well, mm-hmm. that's the listener mail for today. Let's get into the into the stories here. We got a full one, uh, although it won't sound up by the title. I'm calling this episode Two Bad Birds, Two Police F-Ups, and a Bad Santa. A maybe mm. bad Santa. Like, and a, a Santa. Let's keep it We don't that. know. We haven't seen his uh, criminal record yet. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's start uh, with the birds. Yeah. I like a good bird story. And this is kind of coming off of last week's episode where we did the owl, right? Yeah, yeah. I just so, like that you said, I like a good bird story. That's, you know, just a good way to start it off, I think. Yeah, we're, still, we're on a high note. Yeah, uh, yeah. Last week we did the owl that was burglarizing homes. Had that owl waited a week, we would have done like a bird special. A but, full avian special. And, uh, let's start with, uh, do you prefer ostriches or peacocks? Would you know the difference? Could you draw I, either? I don't care for either of them, to be honest. <laughs> well, let's start with a peacock. This is the story of a, uh, this was sent in by a listener named Christine. This is about a peacock in Vancouver. After living in this downtown neighborhood for more than 30 years, David says this was a first. It's like uh, seeing a goldfish in a pool of blackfish. It's, it's like, what is this doing here? It was so unusual, Kirk says. It almost seemed like the setup for a joke. Why did the peacock cross the road? So unbelievable, Logan stopped hanging Christmas lights and started capturing it on camera. Oh, there's a peacock running down the street. <laughs> But the sense of surreal fun quickly turned to very real fear for the peacock's safety. It was getting tumbled about by the big wheels of the cars. Like any moment he was going to get smoked. I just I just didn't want to see like, you know, roadkill. And that's when Logan announced he was going to pluck the peacock from its potential peril. I said to him, watch your face. The bird's going to poke his eyes out or something. What David and Kirk didn't know was this was not Logan's first rodeo. So I grew up catching turkeys and chickens. When little Logan wasn't cuddling cute creatures on his family's hobby farm, he was practicing to be a prolific poultry picker-upper. You know, I just wanted to save this peacock's life, I suppose. So we, I grabbed the, grabbed the bird. We basically went and corralled him into the back gated area behind our studio. While Kirk and Logan kept the peacock safe, David started making calls. He was told the bird had likely wandered far from its home in Beacon Hill Park, but there was no official help available. It's, it's that do the right thing moment. So David asked Logan to pick up the peacock again and carry it to his car. He suggested that we put the peacock in his PT Cruiser. With the PT now standing for Peacock Transportation, David committed to cruise the bird back home. It kept watching me in the rearview mirror of the car and I felt like I was in a French movie instead of, you know, femme fatale or, you know, there was a peacock in the back seat. As the duo drove across the downtown core, David says the bird pooped once and peered out the window often. He calmed down as they approached the park and after David parked, popped out. I wanted to like hug it or commune with it, but it just, you know, the bird kept going. Perhaps to tell his feathered flock a joke that begins with a peacock crossing the road and ends with a punchline about a PT cruiser and the kindness of strangers. Would you put a peacock in your car? Uh, well, I lease my vehicle, so no, I wouldn't. 
That would be a reason. I, I think this guy, David, that he was a great guy. He did the right thing. I guess. I guess. Yeah. I no. Ultimately, yeah. The the right thing was done. Um, you know, protect the animal, get it to safety. I agree with with all of that for sure. But I think more of the story is in the guy who drove the PT Cruiser. Yeah, he expected uh, this. Uh, he he was kind of funny the way he put it put it out. He's like, uh, expected the scene out of a French movie. Yeah, it was like a French movie. But I think, I think it. I think there's a real loneliness to this character. Mm, yeah, that like I want to explore he, a bit outside of the peacock, right? When he brings that, well, he did make a point to mention, like he he wanted this like touching moment when they get yeah, there, yeah, and the peacock absolutely. wanders just, off. Does he not realize it's just a bird? Well, I think this is what happens to him with any connection he's tried to make in his life. And the metaphor here is the peacock itself, you know, um, exposes its its colors, you know, to kind of attract mm -hmm. a mate. I think this individual who drives the PT Cruiser has also tried to do this throughout his entire life mm -hmm. uh, and tried to show his colors or make connections with people and has been rejected uh, every single time. Mm -hmm. And then finally, he drives this peacock who he thinks... You know this animal. I, I'm I'm helping it. You know uh, whatever. It's it's I can finally have a connection here. And then he went for a moment like a hug or a or a goodbye with the peacock, but the peacock just left and and didn't pay him any mm -hmm. any mind whatsoever. So, so it again. The real story here is is this man and um you know. I, I feel for him. I really do. Yeah, this is a lot sadder story than I thought. I, I saw it as this whimsical light story of a lost and found peacock. But no, well, this is... just before you say anything else, that really plays into our dynamic here on Keep Canada Weird. As mm. you're up in the whimsical uh, kind of atmosphere of these stories, whereas I'm grounded in the real raw emotion mm. of these stories uh, bringing wow. it more down to earth well we're kind of like Mulder and scully from x-files yeah and i am definitely scully oh man uh well i think you solved that one that's uh that's a sad story let's see your take mm. on this one okay. uh i say we have two bad birds uh two wild birds yeah we'll call them bad birds we just did a peacock let's go over and that was in vancouver let's go to bc for an ostrich a much bigger kind of scary looking bird. Mm -hmm. After getting loose in the early hours of Thursday morning, Tabor RCMP were out helping a local ostrich farmer who's seen here trying to wrangle one of his birds from the passenger seat of a police car. This was shocking for most residents to see, especially considering the large birds are native to Africa, not southern Alberta. Well, I was outside for a brief few minutes and I thought I was actually seeing things and I noticed there was an ostrich, ostrich running down the road. Um, not something you see every day, so it was, yeah, it was really weird, <laughs> but they ended up catching it. RCMP received reports around 8 a.m. Thursday of multiple ostriches strutting around south of town. They were able to determine that approximately 20 had escaped. RCMP, along with the help of the Tabor police, spent the day tracking down and capturing the birds. And today we had several calls that uh, the ostriches were running around and on the streets. Um, and outside on the highway. So we were assisting the RCMP. Most of the stuff happened out in our jurisdiction. 
Uh, we assisted them and uh, helped them wrangle up some ostriches. <laughs> Around noon, RCMP said all but a couple of the ostriches had been captured. Definitely made my day though. Started off a little rough, but it definitely made it better seeing an ostrich running down the highway. <laughs> As far as we know, officers are still out trying to locate any ostrich stragglers. However, residents are being asked to avoid them at all costs as ostriches are known to be deadly. I was, at first, I was surprised to hear them end it with like, they're known to be deadly. Then I started yeah. looking at more pictures of ostriches and they are big things with like big kind of claw feet thing. I feel like an ostrich could mess you up. 20 of them oh, running I agree. around. Yeah, I would 20, never tangle with an ostrich. No, 20 of them running around like small a small they town. would own the city really because you know if they're as dangerous as they warn us that they are mm -hmm. and there's 20 of them that's strength in numbers i yeah. mean these ostriches could really take over the city of tabor they, they called in the rcmp i think they should have called in the military absolutely if they wanted I to agree. get them yeah. uh the video clip for people who are listening and not watching the video clip there was interesting it was it, it was filmed by just some onlooker uh and it's an RCMP like uh, SUV kind of thing, like van, driving alongside the ostrich that's running down like a main street. And I guess the farmer or the owner of the ostrich is in the passenger side of the police vehicle, hanging out, trying to grab the ostrich by the neck. That is quite the scene. Yeah, probably not the regular Thursday that the officer was expecting. Yeah. No, and and they didn't get them all. So where are these these other ones? Because it said they're native to Africa. So what's going to happen? You know, when the temperature dips down. I I hope that they are able to to get someplace safe and someplace that that I don't know. Like obviously these ostriches wanted out of where they were. They left. And they want to go home. So let's take them home. Um, well, they've got to get them off the street. A little kid runs into one of those things and they're like, look, it's the tooth fairy. Kick well, it's just nature taking back its territory. Yeah, but is it not odd that there are, in Western Canada last week, really three separate stories that involve birds? Because that owl was like, you know, just in the last 10 days, let's say. We had the owl who's robbing homes. We mm -hmm. have 20 ostriches running around town. And we have the whole peacock situation. I didn't, one thing I didn't get, the back up to the peacock, they find it walking around town. He brings it in his car and brings it to a park. But why would there be a peacock just at a public park? Wouldn't they be like in a zoo? That's it, that part I didn't understand either because I thought, again, escape from a zoo or some kind of a wildlife, mm -hmm. uh, you know, park or something, but it was just a regular park. I, yeah, I well, know. that's what it's like. You know, in Halifax, we have some, the public gardens, which is like in the center of downtown. It's like a walking area and there's a big pond with ducks and all this stuff. There's like a, a mm -hmm. couple of swans there, I think. But the the peacock, it kind of looked like where they brought it was kind of a place like that, like a you know like a public kind of park in town. Anyway, it's it's weird. The ostriches, I don't understand either. What would they be for? I guess like a zoo or something. I think well, yeah, a zoo. I would I I could only see them being at some kind of a, a wildlife zoo. Do you need twenty at a zoo? Would that not be a, just a bunch of? Um, uh, maybe um, they're creating an army of ostriches and. They're breeding them. And they're breeding them and For... trying to, maybe they'll bring them back to where they should be. And no, I think this is. I just a want the a... ostriches to be happy. I this just don't a... want, if, if they're not happy where they were and they left, you know, they need to go somewhere where they're happy. Yeah. I think it's a test run. I think that farmer brought 20 ostriches to see what kind of terror he could 
rage uh, wage against Tabor. Maybe it didn't go quite well, and maybe in a couple of years he's going to come back with forty of them, and this will be so a whole different you're, story. You're thinking this is almost these ostriches are like the winged monkeys from, you know, the Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think. I think things in Tabor are not going to be good in five years when yeah. he gets those numbers up to 50, so the evil, The evil king or the evil witch sends out their violent ostriches to just absolutely annihilate any who does not follow blindly to the king. I want to use this story of police chasing ostriches around town to serve as a segue into the next duo of stories we have. Both involve police F-ups. We've been a little bit light so far. These next two stories can take a bit darker turn though. So let's uh, let's tiptoe into this carefully. But we got two. Do you wanna hear about the misidentified body or the keyless handcuffs? Where should we start um, this? Let's go with the body. Okay. This one, it gets dark. This is a story that's been playing out in New Brunswick over the past week. Uh, and it's been playing out in a series of news articles. But what I found kind of interesting is the news articles aren't necessarily referencing referencing each other. You'll see as we go here, I'm going to play two different clips as we talk. Both are covering the same dead body that was located but two different altogether different aspects of the story neither article is referencing each other Mm -hmm. so let's start here this is anyone who knows what we're talking about will know this aspect of the crime and this is where the police really f up in a completely unimaginable way i never would have ever expected something like this could happen listen to this Good evening. Uh, Moncton family is speaking out tonight after enduring a horrible ordeal. They were told their son was dead, only to find out hours later it wasn't him. Steph, look, what happened here? Todd, Donna Price received the heartbreaking news in the early hours of Tuesday morning that her son had died. She was told her son was the person found dead inside the public washroom outside Moncton City Hall very early Tuesday morning. Over the next 13 hours, Price and her husband gathered with family and friends at their home to share in their grief and start the process for funeral arrangements. Late Tuesday afternoon, she says someone was sent to her son's home to collect belongings and paperwork required by the coroner's office, only to discover her son was in fact alive. I remember screaming and jumping, but It felt like I was in a time warp or a movie or a bad joke or I I can't even explain. Like I had this uh, grief, which is insurmountable pain. You can't even describe the pain you feel. Two, 13 hours, he's alive. There's an opportunity for someone in charge uh, in Moncton at Kodiak to step forward and, like I said, apologize, show some compassion, ensure the public that this can't happen, it shouldn't have happened, and that maybe some discipline or other measures would be undertaken. Some assurance that this isn't commonplace or it's to be expected. It it just can't be. At this point, there's been no legal action taken. The New Brunswick RCMP says it is aware of this matter and is in communication with family members about the situation. 
It says because it may soon be part of a legal process, it would be inappropriate to comment on evidence or other aspects that may be part of judicial or internal proceedings. And Todd, police have not released the identity of the person who was found dead. What the heck? Yeah. They got a lawsuit on their hands. You can't, they can't make that kind of mistake. I just, you know, and, and listening to the story, um, I can't understand how that mistake is made. Like, do they ever, exp uh, like, did I just miss that or no, they do they did, never they, explain it? When questioned, it seems like the RCMP um, didn't want to comment on anything because it, it looks like it's a case that may lead to like, you know, civil proceedings, i.e. getting sued. So they're probably shutting their mouth. I'm sure that they must have told the family how that mistake has been made. But how could it be made? The only thing I could think of is maybe they found a, you know, a body and it had like someone else's wallet in its pocket or something. And, you know, with an ID that happened to look like them, because it's it's not like this was this body that's been, you know, it's skeletal remains out in the woods or something like that. This is someone found outside a city hall that had died the night before. Like you would think that'd be a pretty like they'd be able to accurately ID it before they went to the point of notifying this family. Mm -hmm. And they let them, the family's at the point of like beginning to plan funeral arrangements. And then, and I'd love to know how they found out their son was alive. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's also kind of like they didn't interview the son who was alive, who turned out to be alive. Where is he? Like where? Mm -hmm. So another thing I was wondering was like this, this body is found. They mistake it for this woman's son. They tell her her son is dead. They then realize that that's not her son. And then they say, no, it's not your son. Your son is still alive. But you would think that her still alive son would have make some appearance of some kind or mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. how there's, there's, there's a lot of missing a, pieces here. Certainly. Um, but one thing I do know from all the episodes that I've done over the years uh, of this podcast is the police aren't quick to notify next of kin when there's a death. Like it's something that they are slow and methodical and, you know, it's not the kind of thing they find someone and they just, you know, call up the family and let them know what's happening. Mm -hmm. It just seems like I, I would just love to know the story. If this does go to court and there's lawsuits or whatever, the truth will come out or the story will come out. I just can't imagine how this could happen. But no. at this point, we're already thinking, you know, it's a failure of the RCMP or of policing. A mistake was made and, you know, this kind of thing should never have happened. There's other layers to this story uh, that the news pieces about the misidentification of the body aren't getting at. This here is a, a separate clip I'm going to play you. And this one is... Uh, different in tone for sure it's a a piece of an interview with a social worker who had been interviewed by cbc because she had sent an email or letters to all these high-ranking politicians and media letting them know that new brunswick is in a crisis for um uh, shelters and for people to stay who are dealing with mental illness or addiction and the kind of the the point of this letter that they sent out was this social worker was recounting that the night before she tried to get help for someone who visited her like emergency center she wasn't able to help them and she found out that they died overnight so we're talking about the same 
body, the same person. Mm -hmm. But here's here's the other side of what that what happened to this person before they misidentified the family. So it's another level level of failure we're going to hear about. We are in a crisis in our downtown area with individuals. Please step up. Please acknowledge there's a part of the population amidst this opioid crisis that needs some extra help. They're New Brunswickers. I keep calling them the forgotten New Brunswickers. Um, so anyways, I sent another one, nothing happened. And then I sent one Monday. Expressing my concern and frustration at what we had just gone through trying to find shelter for this gentleman and explaining the grave danger that he would overdose and possibly die overnight. And then of course, what our greatest fear was became reality. So I then on Tuesday sent a message to the minister and all of the MLAs to tell them what had happened. And I haven't heard one word from them. Not one word. Yikes, eh? Mm-hmm. How, what, how could it happen? How can things be so bad that someone goes to like an emergency shelter? Uh, they're in such a state that the people running the emergency shelter are like, we need to get this person somewhere to stay. They're going to die tonight if they don't. They're not able to find help for this person after reaching out to several resources. The person ends up dying outside of City Hall in Moncton, a major Canadian city. The next morning when he's found, police misidentify him, tell the wrong family that their kid died. Like those two things happen together. And then what I've since learned, I don't have a clip for this to air, but they did accurately identify the guy um, after all this happens. And it turns out that he was someone who had been released from prison just the day before. And he was released without winter clothes or anything. And he had nowhere to go. So he's just kind of like, he must be an addict, I'm guessing, because they bring up opioid addiction. But it seems like he has no winter clothes or winter coat. It's cold. He goes to an emergency shelter, can't get the help, dies, misidentified. Like, what a crazy no, it's just string a, of events. It just, it's it's horrible because, you know, it, it in death, you at least hope that people will, will get a little, I don't know respect i guess like more kind of like it just uh, the indignity of of how this happened to this mm -hmm. person yeah like leaving prison like that's supposed to be you know you you've paid your time um you're, you're going out into the world now to, to 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 start your life and to not even be given a winter coat when it's freezing out mm and no place to go and 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 absolutely nothing like it's it's just like they completely gave up on mm. this person well you just there's a, a statement you hear a billion times with the idea of like falling through the cracks this person fell through a few cracks uh and then when the rcmp go to pick up the the pieces you know they they screw it up as well so it's just yeah man I it mean, makes me um we should change the name from Keep Canada Weird to Make Canada Better. I well, would go with make. I think by make, keeping Canada weird, we are making Canada better Yeah, uh, in the long run. So this is a dark, horrible situation we just talked about. 
There's another one that played out involving police uh, effing up. This is in Quebec, though. So this isn't the RCMP. They have their own police force over there um, in Quebec. This story also blows my mind. Uh, will likely, I hope, end in a lawsuit of some sort. Um, but at least this story ends with a bunch of police who messed up standing around feeling foolish and being filmed while they're doing it. Here's what happened in Quebec. Montreal police are facing questions tonight about a video circulating widely on social media. It shows a man being arrested after he was accused of stealing his own vehicle. Matt Grillo explains. The man in this video is visibly upset while speaking to two plainclothes police officers. With handcuffs on, he questions police. Is it because I'm black, he asks. After a few minutes, police inform the man they can't take his handcuffs off because they don't have the key. Eventually, an officer shows up to unlock the handcuffs. It's an embarrassing moment, says Alain Babineau, a former RCMP officer. Losing one's uh, handcuffs is not, it's never a pleasant thing. I mean, these things do happen. Babineau is now part of a group called the Red Coalition that works to combat racial profiling. And he says the officers in the video showed a lack of empathy. The person was arrested, was placed in handcuffs, and, uh, you know, that for the average uh, person on the street, that's quite traumatic. In a series of tweets, Montreal police say two investigators noticed a Honda CRV that appeared to show marks of an attempted theft. While investigating, police say a citizen showed up and officers, they say, placed that person under temporary arrest. In the video, the man tells police the vehicle is his. There's something in policing, in our policing culture, that says we're never wrong. And, and that to me is, is to the detriment of the profession as a whole. We make mistakes. Human rights group CRAR recommends the man should consider filing a complaint with the police ethics commissioner. For the commissioner to gather all the evidence in a more objective manner, in a more independent manner. And Foniemi says there are other complaints the man could also look into. He can also file a complaint with the Human Rights Commission if he believes that uh, race, his being black, certainly played role in the way that he was treated. A spokesperson for Quebec's public security minister says the video raises a lot of questions and the minister will look into what happened. So that's another one where we're, we're short on some of the details, but in the end, we have a guy getting arrested for outside of his car on suspicion of stealing his car. Somehow in the, during this whole like temporary arrest, I, I, in my head, I can't imagine how this plays out in a way that ends up with him in handcuffs. If, if police are like, because oh, he wasn't in the car. They saw signs that the car had been stolen or trying to be stolen. Yeah, it had like, um, what, what? maybe it was kind of like scratch marks or something, like where the key would go or I don't know. I, I don't know what it could be, but needless to say, he walks over and he's like, that's my car. Somehow he ends up in handcuffs mm -hmm. and then they don't have the keys. It's like, what the, how the heck can that happen? Well, keys are small. Yeah. I'm sure they can, they can, you know, fall out of your pocket and, and, uh, down, down into a sewer hole or something. Uh, mm -hmm. who knows? Um, I, I've just, I've never heard of this happening before. And I just, the, when you watch the video or, or even just look at the still images, he, the man, the car owner's handcuffed, 
very upset, walking all over the place, and the cops are just all just standing there, like just looking. Like there's not much we can do now. You're, we don't have keys. <laughs> You're gonna have to wait. I, you know, I really wanted to put somebody in handcuffs today, and I forgot to check if I had keys. I so. was just so anxious to get him yeah. cuffed. Yeah. Um, what about- I, I'm wondering, like, mm-hmm. normally, you know, they'd run the license plates on this like i'm trying to figure out how they get from we think this car has been stolen this gentleman comes up and then they put him in handcuffs but wouldn't they run the license plates yeah or just his talk name to him would first? come up they'd look at his id and it would be like okay that's him mm-hmm. like how how does it, it get even to the handcuffs yeah even in that situation even if it came up as a total different person, it comes up as, you know, like Wendy Jones, like a short blonde haired girl or something like that. He still is just like some guy walking up saying it's my car. Like, why would they, who would be foolish enough to walk up to the police and try to trick them into yeah, like allowing if I them stole to st- a, Yeah, if I stole a car and then I saw the police standing around that car, I go in the opposite direction. I'm like, oh, they found the car I stole. The only thing I can think of is that maybe he like locked his keys in the car. And he had, and you know, you, you've seen people who lock their keys in the car and they're like trying to feed stuff down on the window to pick the locks and, you know, and get their car open. Or like, I think I've seen people putting like a video of someone putting a bunch of duct tape on the window and pulling it down so they can get it open a bit so they can reach their hand in Mm -hmm. and unlock the door. Maybe he had, he too had lost his keys in the car. He was trying to get the window open to get in to his car the police approach him thinking he's trying to break into a car and somehow in that situation he ends up getting cuffed but if so that would be an even more interesting story where they both lost their keys or something but I, and if that was the case i think the reporter would have leaned on that uh, i think that would have been the main focus of the story at that point where nobody had their keys mm-hmm. and everybody's stuck so the jury's out then. I don't know what the hell's happening here. How did that, this guy end up in cuffs? I can't understand how it would escalate to that scenario when this is his car. Mm-hmm. And if, if it is his car, like his name is attached to the plates. I don't understand how it could, you know. But even like, if it isn't, he's like, he, would he not have his keys? And he's like, it's my car. I can open it right now. I'm just. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't like I could prove it's my car i'll open it and get in it and show you like like my stuff is in there yeah yeah. it has an iphone charger i have an iphone my keys open that car Mm -hmm. there's there's more to this well yeah there's certainly there's more than more to this there's way more to this we always have to kind of view these things in in a lens of where we don't know what happened before and after this video i don't know what happened during yeah, that's also true. I don't know what happened to <laughs> it's like either. It's, yeah, what a weird thing yeah. to be in the news. Yeah, yeah. But I think handcuffs seem... Technology hasn't uh, developed very far with handcuffs, has it? Because well, we I've have, heard of we have so many different um, ways to replace keys in our society. Like, you know, there's, there's cars with fingerprints, you know, or it's just... Uh, a control from a smartphone or whatever, you would think handcuffs would, would move a little further uh, with technology than mm. they have. It's still a tiny little key 
to open up the handcuffs. And if you lose that key, you can't open them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. Even people like uh, like the keyless entry for your car, for your house, like a lot of people are getting rid of for your front door. You put in a code or do whatever. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think it's maybe this is a, a wake up call to manufacturers of handcuffs. Get with the times. Yeah, this one incident needs to change the entire industry of handcuff making. Speaking of one incident changing an entire industry. No, that's not a good segue. <laughs> Thinking old, of old uh, for editing and start yes. again. Hello, listeners. Sorry to pull you out of the episode like this, but I want to take a moment and remind you of the benefits of a nighttime premium feed subscription. First of all, I release the episodes ad-free and two days early on the premium feed, which gives you the show quicker and a lot less painfully. Secondly, I maintain a full back catalog of nighttime episodes and countless hours of bonus content only on the premium feed, so to give you more of the show than any sane person would probably even want to listen to. And the third thing, premium feed subscribers who do so annually get a discounted rate and receive a free swag pack by mail. Who doesn't love mail? And lastly, but hopefully most importantly, the premium feed will fund the creation of the show. My mics, my laptop, the little lights on my desk, it's all paid for by the combined efforts of the premium feed subscribers. So if any of this sounds good to you, for about the price of a cup of coffee, you can go premium right now at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. I want to thank you for considering it. Now, let's get back to the episode. Let's get to the next story. Oh, that's a really good transition. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. It's, we're recording this on November 28th. You know what's right around the corner, right? Yeah. Yeah, November 29th. December. And you know what's in December? Oh. Malls yeah. across this country are already jammed with people. It's going crazy. It's going to be crazy for the next month and a half. Because even after Christmas, there's returns, there's exchanges malls, Costco, shoppers, drug marts, any store is going to be wild. But you know what else is going to be happening at malls? Santa's helpers are going to be wearing Santa-styled outfits. Kids are going to be sitting on their laps telling them what they want for Christmas this year. So can we just pause for a second? You said Santa's helpers. What, what do you mean by that? Well, Santa can't be everywhere. At once. But he, but he is everywhere. That's he's magical. Uh, well, a part of the magic is the network of people that Santa has helping him. We call ourselves elves, and we will do things like dress up for Santa and serve as his fill-in at the mall. Not <laughs> not dress up, dress up for Santa. <laughs> not for him. Yeah. But, not for and him just eating his supper, then you just come in dressed up for him. And it's like <laughs> you have to entertain him and like do a dance for Santa. All right. Um, if anyone is listening to this episode around kids, they may want to hit pause or lower the volume. I'm going to get personal with something. Uh, so I often have my 10 year old son sitting in on these episodes, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe a week, two weeks ago, we're like getting ready for bed. And he tells me, 
It's like, I want to talk to you about something, dad. And I was like, uh, I was like, Oh, what's, you know, what's going on. And he told me that he's uh, getting a little stressed out because a lot of kids at school are talking about how Santa's not real and he doesn't know what to think. And he's like, anytime Christmas comes up or Santa comes up, I get nervous because I don't know what to believe. And, you know, some kids in my class believe in it. Some kids in my class say it's not real and it's causing a big rift and it's stressing me out. And I said, do you want to know, like, do you want to talk about it? Do you want me to tell you the whole story? And I knew it was mm-hmm. like, a, I, it just it was a dad moment. I just got into it. And he said like, yeah, like, I think it's time that I know for real. <laughs> and so I had to do some serious dadding. This is him and I laying in bed, like at, you know, nine o'clock with the lights out. He's, I'm about to like tell him good night and we start this conversation. And the way I explained it to my son, and I'm quite proud of myself because I came up with this on the spot. Well, I'll decide. But I didn't, I didn't want to say like, you know, it's fake. We've been lying to you. We go to Walmart and buy this crap and put it under the tree and pretend it's Santa. What I, the way I pitch it to him is that Santa is not a real person. It's this kind of idea that all the adults and retailers and parents and shopkeepers, we all kind of collectively do Santa. Uh, and we do it by being helpers of Santa. And so, and here's where, where I'm getting with this Santa helper thing. As I said to him, and anyone who knows the secret has to be in on the magic and has to be one of Santa's helpers. So I said to him, I said, like, so you have a little brother, because I also have a younger child who isn't ready to have this talk yet. And I said to my older son, I said, your way of helping Santa and taking part in the magic and keeping the magic alive is being excited about Santa around your younger brother so that he can experience it. But other people, maybe the way they contribute to Santa is they dress up in a costume and go to the mall or they pretend they're Santa and they're in a parade waving. And I said, so everyone in on the secret is one of Santa's helpers. Now you have to be one of Santa's helpers. And he was like, that makes so much sense. And, you know, he's all for it. And Mm -hmm. in fact, having that talk, I was kind of thinking like I was a little sad, like, oh, my God, like Christmas is going to be different. Uh, but for him, he has like, it's made him excited about Christmas because he sees it as like, I'm, you know, Santa's helper. It's his civil duty. Yeah. And so whenever his little brother's around and any Christmas thing comes up, he just like puts on a show about how excited he is. So anyway, that's why I was saying these people at the mall are Santa's helpers and dress up. Anyway. All that personal stuff and fatherhood behind us. The idea of a strange man at the mall with children sitting on their lap is something I'm not entirely comfortable with. How do you feel about this? I think it's problematic as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've played Santa Claus a number of times throughout my theatrical career. Mm-hmm. Um, but pe- playing him on stage or like interact- interacting with children that you didn't know? Not playing him on stage, not interacting with children. No. Okay. Okay. That's But I think that's where the difference is. Playing him on stage mm-hmm. is one thing. But when you're like sitting alone with a, a kid on your lap that you don't know, and it, I, I, it's just weird. It, yeah. The only time it got weird for me was um, – there was one point in time, this is many years ago, I was hired to play Santa Claus for a dollar store Christmas party. Like 
a dollar store employees are having a Christmas party. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I was hired to come in as Santa Claus. It was at a Dooley's pool hall oh my in God. Nova Scotia. <laughs> of course you were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I went in, and it was my job where to give out the Christmas presents from head office or whatever. It, okay. I just, I, what is it? A bunch of cigarettes you're passing everyone? Like it's, I'm just picturing the way this scene is playing out. Well, I don't know what was in the, the gifts. I didn't open them, okay. but I had to sit in the chair and then every employee. Oh, was it was adults sit. on your lap? Yeah. I had to come and sit on my lap and I would give them their gift and like take a photo with them and, you know, be jolly and whatever. Okay. Like you're perfect for that. <clears throat> Doing oh, it with it, like with adults, it's different. Say yeah, but even that, I guess the reason that I wanted to tell that is that even that I felt creepy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It when is I was creepy. doing it. I'm like, I don't enjoy this. It doesn't feel right having people sit on my lap and <laughs> and, and behave in this way. I, um, I wasn't comfortable with it. But So I think we both feel the same way about the idea of Santa. If we see uh, Sa uh, the idea of Santa having strangers sit on his lap... Um, at the mall or at the Dooley's pool hall. If you saw a photo circulating of a couple police officers and security guards arresting a mall Santa, where would your head go? Uh, oh, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. A photo comes out and they say of your <laughs> home mall, in your case, we're talking the Mayflower mm. mall, Santa's being arrested. I, I said, I believe you would have, thoughts that you immediately go to some kind of uh something yeah, bad happened something bad yeah here's where the story kicks in cadillac fairview polo park is apologizing tonight for what it's calling a misguided and unfortunate prank involving its mall santa claus video and photos shared on social media today show santa claus being handcuffed by a pair of security guards in front of his display inside the mall in a statement the mall is apologizing to guests the community and families for the quote error in judgment it adds the arrest was made in jest by the center's staff Winnipeg police are also taking to Twitter to calm concerns, saying officers did not attend Polo Park and Santa was not arrested. CTV News has reached out for comment from the security company, and we are waiting to hear back. What the hell were they doing? I can see the humor in it. I mean, they were, they were, it was a joke, right? It was a well, joke. They were like, he's... oh, let's go and, you know, arrest him in front of everyone, and it'll be a laugh. I guess so. It, someone was yeah. filming it because it, when you look at the photos and stuff that are circulating, because it's like people in the mall were taking pictures of what looked like Santa getting arrested in front of his display. One, There's like a couple security guards kind of cuffing him, and then there's someone standing next to them with a phone. So uh, maybe they were like filming like a, I don't know, an ad or something, or they were I'm doing I'm sure something. it was somebody trying to get content for their TikTok or whatever it is that people do with their free time these days. But I mean, it is funny. How is it um, funny? I think it's weird. Oh, really? I What's mean, it's the... pretty funny seeing Santa arrested, don't you think? I guess, but I, there there needs to be kind of like it. That needs to be like a punchline, or there needs to be a setup. That is the punchline. He's he's Santa Claus, and and he's you know he's he's the jolly one. He's he's Christmas all wrapped up in a red suit. I suppose, but, but then seeing doing him it... being arrested is is not you know you imagine what did Santa do? You know what type of a uh, well, I you're in debauchery. I immediately. Get up to. Well, we're talking what Santa did is different than what the mall Santa did 
because I just think like this man has kids sitting on his lap all day. It's pretty obvious what likely happened either or either he has a warrant issued his, like the actor inside Santa either has a warrant issued for his arrest for something or mm-hmm. he did something that day. It's Probably. the visual. It's the visual of Santa being, you know, handcuffed in the mall and let out. And mm. yeah. um, my mind, it's, wa- it's I'm a very interesting, very interesting visual. It certainly drums up. It's it's certainly an evocative image that drums up a lot yeah, of bad it's, thoughts. It's got, yeah, I, I guess, you know, I guess it can be looked at in a very disturbing way, but... If I were to see Santa arrested, yeah, I would think the actor himself is a train wreck and, you know, is 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 has priors and I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Shouldn't even be around children. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's, he's a discount Santa. Yeah. Um, uh, similar to how I was for the dollar store. Certainly. But when I, in, in thinking about this, uh, thinking it through a few different ways, I think the people, if like it was a prank that was gone wrong whatever the prank was or however they wanted to use the content, I'm sure at the time they weren't thinking that people walking by in the mall were going to be taking pictures being like, look, Santa's getting like the guy who plays Santa's getting arrested. Well, yeah, they clearly didn't think this through very well because that's what happens when anything happens is people are videotaping it and photographing it and uploading it to social media instantly. Mm -hmm. And then it snowballs from there. Man, what a mess. But when I found the story and we and decided to talk about it here and keep Canada weird, um, I thought there's going to be a lot of Christmas stories and Santa stories. Uh, and this has given me a lot of ideas for our Christmas special. And I think, um, I don't know what kind of content there would be for this, but I bet you there's a lot of Canadian news stories about mall Santas. New, either news stories or just weird events evolving mall santas or santa kind of impersonators um i challenge anyone out there listening or watching that knows of a story from their community that involves santa in one way or another i'd love to hear of it or you know and maybe not specifically santa maybe some elves are involved or yeah, reindeer or, or mary know. claus is their first name mary mrs claus um it's theorized that uh, it could be mary uh, well that's just yeah because but there's no official first name. For it Mrs. seems Claus. weird because the the where Santa, like the world Santa lives in, versus like the world that like Jesus and all that happens. I don't really get where the lines are drawn. But is not Jesus's mother Mary and Santa's wife is Mary? Like, are they in the same? Yeah, kind of but like the, the Mary universe? thing is just something that people started saying, like. You know, his last, you know, Christmas, you know, Merry Christmas. Like, that's kind of the... Okay. Um, I went to high school with someone named Merry Christmas, you know. Yeah, yeah. I believe you. Mm -hmm. Christmas is a a common last name. It is a common last name. Um, Yeah. And, you know, like, so some people, like, I did do a little bit of research on the first name of Mrs. Claus when I was writing a Christmas show to see, like, does she actually have a first name? And some people said they thought it was, they think it's Mary, but there was no real official uh, story behind it. It was just some people. Coca-Cola hasn't decided what her name is yet. Well, the whole kind of look of Santa Claus really comes from Coca-Cola. Oh yeah. Well, just getting back to talking to my son is like, we had that talk one night 
And then he became more comfortable with the idea. And a couple of nights later, he was asking me, he's been asking me more and more questions like, mm -hmm. you know, is the Easter Bunny the same thing? And actually, this was funny. We were talking about the Easter Bunny and I was telling him like, you know, Good Friday and Easter Monday. He asked like what that's all about. Why do we celebrate that? And I was like, well, Good Friday was the day that um, Jesus was murdered. And he's like, shouldn't they call it Black Friday? Like, shouldn't that be Black Friday? Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, I guess like that should be Black Friday. That was It was not a good Friday. It was an awful Friday for, you know, Christians. Um, but anyway, uh, in talking about all that, we were, we were talking about, he was asking how Santa started. And I was like, I don't know if anyone even knows, but I, I told him, I said, uh, I think the version of Santa that we draw and have on TV and dress up as actually comes from Coca-Cola ads from like, you know, the yeah, 1890 or something. And yeah. yeah, we went on my phone and we started looking at the old ads and before Coca-Cola ads had this kind of like jolly fat Santa, he was actually kind of creepy looking. He was just mm -hmm. kind of like this big kind of old man, looked more like a king than Someone Santa. you would imagine maybe in cuffs. At the, yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. Well, you know, we all have our our time that we find out that Santa is complicated. I don't not. remember ever learning. I don't remember believing. I remember I, exactly when I found out. Uh, you and I both have older siblings. Did you learn yeah. from your older sibling? It was, I was, um, you know how leading up to Christmas when you're young and presents start showing up under the tree from like relatives and yeah. things like that. Uh, leading up to Christmas and it gets uh -huh. very exciting. So like every now and then you'll see a couple of new things under the tree and it's like, oh, that's from my aunt or that's from my uncle or whatever. So I saw a couple of new things and I picked one up and it was addressed to my sister from Santa Claus. And this was like maybe a week before Christmas or something. Yeah. And so I got really confused and my sister and my mom were in the bathroom and my mom is doing my sister's hair and I ran in. And I said, mom, there's a present to to Heather under the tree, but it's from Santa Claus. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and then my my other sister looked at my mom with these eyes like, can I just tell him is what she said out loud. Oh, and I was man. like, tell me what? And then she just looked at me. She's like, he's not real, oh, you know. Oh, my God. She was not being Santa's helper. She wasn't doing her job. No, no. So oh, that fried wow. my brain for a bit, but I got over it pretty quickly. We got a whole month to get into and highlight Christmas stories. We're mm -hmm. not going to go crazy about it, but we're going to no, talk about Christmas. No, but we will find an episode to really focus our Christmas powers. You know who is going crazy about it? Tim Hortons. Children all over the world. Children oh. all over the world. Tim Hortons has a bunch of Christmas stuff going on. There's two separate radio stations in Halifax that are already Christmas music 24 hours a day. The oh, hell? the hotel that I stayed at in Toronto, Christmas music. 24-7 in the lobby and in the lounge. Pumped into every bedroom. 24-7, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Wow. Um. Anyway, let's wrap this up, Aaron. I think we fulfilled our mandate tonight. Um, we addressed the fake news. We're going to see what that does to us, to this series. The fake news being the death of, in the piles of dead raccoons in Toronto. Not true. You've heard it here. We'll see what next week brings. Aaron, until then. Jordan, until next time. Be a good helper for Santa. Yeah, man. Just Why don't you just stop lying to your kids? And revolutionize handcuffs. Yeah, just maybe Bluetooth handcuffs. <laughs>
I want to thank you for helping Aaron and I fulfill our Keep Canada Weird mandate. But let us also call out to you for even further support. If something unusual happens in your town, please let us know. And the best way to do so is by sending a voice memo via nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. We hope to hear from you there. Now, before we part, let me give some thanks. A big thanks to Aaron for sharing another evening with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. A shout out to the internet's favorite cult leader, Unicole, who supplies the intro and outro voiceovers for this series. And lastly, but most importantly, a massive thank you to everyone who listens, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. Now, on the topic of support, let me thank the newest subscribers of the premium feed. Christine, Daryl, and Ben, thank you for your generous support. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show but can't do it financially, you can give me a big hand by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting some like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If anyone has any story ideas, wants to give feedback on this episode, or contribute a voice memo to be aired and responded to in an upcoming episode, you can do all that and more at nighttimepodcast.com. Aaron and I hope to hear from you. But until then, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright Jordan Bonaparte.